0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Coleman Had A Dream podcast. I am joined, as always, by Ruth. How are you doing, Ruth?
1: Morning. Doing good. You? How yeah, are you doing?
0: Yeah, I'm good, thanks. It's uh, the last week before half-term this week, so I'm uh, I'm looking forward to kind of battling through the week and then uh, got the small matter of a cup final to worry about in Newcastle on uh, on Sunday. So, yeah, looking forward to the week ahead and uh, a few beers in London, and, uh,
1: and we'll see what happens. Oh, got something to look forward to at least yeah uh, now I've been getting a bit of skiing in and you know just moseying along over here enjoying the winter it's been good
0: I saw a great picture of you and Alan and the dog the other day looking adorable I'd like to clarify I sw- <laughs> I'd like to clarify the dog was looking adorable Alan was looking uh, <laughs> was looking far Alan from it was, yeah
1: yeah
0: um, <laughs> yes I've been uh, I've been desperately on the hunt for a cup final ticket if anyone knows anyone who uh, who might be able to get me a Carabao cup final ticket please let me know I uh I signed up for a few uh, Club Webley, Wembley kind of hospitality things. I, I thought I'd have a go. I found out that a face value ticket normally for Club Wembley is 300 quid. So I thought I'll I'll give it a go, and you never know what might turn up. And with a bit of luck, I might get a ticket. So I signed up for all these websites, and I got a phone call the other day. Oh, hi, Mr. East. How are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he said, here you go. So this is the offer. You get a 3 hours drink beforehand. You get a pint at half-time. You know, pint, a pint at half-time. We'll do your match program and a pint after the match. And depending on where you're sat, the players might walk past you on their way to pick up the trophy. So I was thinking, oh, this sounds great. I, but halfway through, I thought he was going to tell me he could play the last 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> so uh, we, I was just like, okay, go on, you know, what's, what's the damage, pal? Hit me with it. And I was thinking I'd maybe, and I'm, you know, I better be careful what I say, but I, I reckon I would maybe have gone up to, like, Maybe 400, maybe five, maybe 500 if it was a good seat. And I was just like, oh, I'm in an R. And so he, he says all these things. So yeah, go on, and how much, mate? And he says, 1,850. Um, <laughs> so I've decided against it because that, uh, that was before the VAT. So after the VAT, it was about <laughs> 2,300. So um, I think to pay, you know, not far off two and a half grand to go and watch Newcastle probably lose to uh, to Man United is not high on my priority. And joy would leave me, um, which uh, which would be an <laughs> added downside if I'm honest. But there you go. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to uh, to the week ahead, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'll uh, I'm sure I'll find some entertainment for myself in London. Uh, nevertheless, oh, I'm,
1: I'm I'm sure you'll manage. <laughs> I'm sure you'll manage that part of it. You never know. There might be a ticket out there somewhere. Yeah, you never know.
0: Yeah. And uh, on the off chance that uh, anyone who is a Newcastle United uh, ticket holder does, uh, you know, have a spare, which I'm sure there are loads of flying around, or you happen to be, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if Alan Shearer listens to the pod, but um, if you do, get in touch. Let me know. I'd be, uh, I'd be, I'd love you forever if you could get me a ticket for the cup final. Um, in fact, if you're Alan Shearer and you're listening, get in touch regardless. Um, but uh, but <laughs> I don't think are.
1: you could love Shearer more, really, could you? Let's be fair. <laughs> no,
0: I haven't, having named, having named my dog after him, <laughs> I don't think there's much more love I have for that man to give. Anyway, <laughs> Christ, we're three minutes in Ruth, and we've not said the word, <laughs> wa- we not said the word Wales once. Um, okay, so let's write that wrong. Today we are going to be talking about uh, quite a broad uh, pod, really. There's not, you know, huge things going on. In the in the world of, of Wales football, uh, the women have played two games on the so far when we record against the Philippines and Iceland uh, in the Pinatar Cup. We're going to have a quick uh, congratulations to Laura McAllister, and we're going to discuss the Euros campaign, which is starting in about a month or so. Um, first of all, Ruth, have you managed to see any of the uh, the Philippines in the Iceland game? I've, 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 I admit that I've not been able to. I've I've, I've watched some highlights and read, but I've, I couldn't watch the games live, unfortunately.
1: No, I couldn't. No, the timing meant I couldn't watch them live, but I've seen. I've def, I've seen some highlights and reasonably st- extended highlights. Actually, the Philippine. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know what they would be the the equivalent of the FAW.
0: The Philippines um, had FA. some
1: had some re- re- the reasonably long uh, highlights actually, so I'm grateful grateful for them for sharing. <laughs>
0: Um, I, I'm let, let's start with the Philippines game and we're not going to go into huge mm-hmm. detail, but like I, I think an important result uh, to get the the start of the group off to, off to on a positive foot. And obviously, I think after the disappointment of the Switzerland game, I think it's good to get a, a win back on the board.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think both games have kind of served their purpose in the sense that we've got, you know, a win against the a ranked team and a, 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 a draw against a, a healthily ranked Iceland team and you know as you say some positive momentum after the disappointment of the, the Swedish game um, we obviously dominated the Philippines game particularly and, and although um, Middleton Patel had her her uh, debut in goal I don't think she had to do a lot but um, the, the lineup was interesting yeah, um, I, thought I thought sort of playing row in that more slightly more central forward midfield was an interesting change obviously fishlock came in for that position for the Mm. um for the iceland game but i mean overall it you know they they kind of serve their purpose as games haven't they you know hannah kane is back from her long injury which perhaps is the most pleasing thing about the whole the whole process
0: yeah, I, I I totally agree. I was glad to see uh, Middleton Patel got a starting goal. I think that's somewhere we've talked about this before, where we need to mm-hmm. start implementing a backup. And I know, um, yeah. you know, we've we've oh yeah we've discussed that uh, many times. So we don't need to go down that road again. But yeah, it was good to see. I think uh, for someone else to come back in there. Um, I thought playing Lily Woodham at left back was an interesting one, especially with Rowe being played mm-hmm. further up the pitch. I would have kind of naturally would have put them the other way round. But there you go. Um, yeah, I think it's obviously an opportunity to kind of experiment with different things. Um, different you know different tactics different formations it did have a different look to it um, compared to some of our recent Mm -hmm. games and and it's obviously worked we dominated the ball I think by 79% possession we had which was uh, pretty spectacular 12 shots Um, you know I I think we played pretty well and, and controlled the game from start to finish so my only slight criticism I suppose is that you know we need to we need to perhaps be putting sides like this to the sword a little bit more. If I'm being harsh, but I suppose it was an experimental lineup, and uh, and players plays in different positions. So I suppose can't read too much into that one. Um, the Iceland game on the yeah, other I know. Hand. I Go think that's. I think
1: that's. Sorry, I think that's the disappointment. Perhaps across the two games is that you know scoring goals has been one of our, our issues, and we're still not really scoring goals. I mean, just a, just a penalty against the Philippines, and I think. Um, I think that might be my sort of biggest concern of what I'm seeing at the minute. Yeah,
0: I, I do know what you mean, and I and I think it's frustrating to an extent. Looking at that Iceland game, then having had so much possession um, mm-hmm. in comparison to a very strongly ranked team, I think the possession was basically fifty-fifty. We had more shots, we had more shots on target, we had the better chances um, from what I've seen mm-hmm. and read as well. So, you know, uh, again, I'm sure that little tinge of frustration will be there on the basis as well that. That was pretty much our full-strength team we then put out um, against the, uh, mm. the Icelandic uh, women.
1: Yeah, agree. I think. I mean, if it was a qualifying game and you were playing them away from home and looking at the difference in the ranking points and you came away with a draw, we'd probably be quite happy. But I think the nature of the game with... with that level of possession for us, as you say, are basically our first team having the better of the game, having the better of the chances. We've we've got to get a little bit more kind of clinical and ruthless, haven't we, about these things?
0: Yeah, and I think that that's true. And I think we did have the chances. That's the thing. I think looking at mm, it, I also yeah, thought yeah. it was that there was an obvious more. Um, attempt if you like to get more people around green when we had the ball i thought i did think that was pleasing mm-hmm. i suppose these things little tweaks and changes to formations and personnel will will do that so it will take a bit of time to gel but i did i, I did yeah. enjoy that there was a, a definite in, more intent to get uh people yeah around
1: there green. was more sort of impetus to the game wasn't there in, strangely although we had less possession it I, I suppose maybe the quality of the opposition gives the game a different tempo but it. Flowed better, ironically, I think. Yeah,
0: I would agree with you there. I would agree with you. Um, as uh, we're looking ahead, uh, I think it should. It's, it's important that we mention Gemma Evans, who picked up her fiftieth cap. Gemma Green just said after the match, mm-hmm. there should certainly be another fifty. So I thought that was uh, interesting and exciting. Plus, we have the Scotland game to come, um, which will kind of define the group. It's going to be done on, uh, done on goal difference because Iceland beat the Scots two one. So there's a few ifs and buts. Um, going on mm-hmm. in the in the final knockings of this group, but uh, all in all, I would say uh, a worthwhile experiment, um, uh, experiment uh, opportunity for for everyone out there in in Pinnatar, and just fantastic for Gem Rams, I think we should uh, eulogise about her for a moment, Ruth.
1: <laughs> well, she's she is the sort of solid as a rock at the back, isn't she? She's just I, I, there's um, there's a calmness to her her game that I really like, and I think the I mean the fifty. The fifty caps is really reflects how important she's becoming to the yeah, to the team, and I I think what Granger was saying about you know the fifty more you can you can see that she's very fundamental to the team now, isn't she? And I think I I I mean just. We're just very the, the combination that she's developing with Haley Ladd at the back there I just I just think that puts us in a good place I think one of the things we haven't mentioned is we didn't concede a goal so I yeah, think true. we you know with there's you've got to look at positives about the the sort of consistency of the of that central um, central pairing at the back and how that's developing and becoming a very sort of steadfast duo back there.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting as, as well that she obviously has played a lot at, right, uh, at left-back initially and then has kind of tucked mm-hmm. inside and uh, made a great partnership with, with with Ladd. But I also think it's important to recognise what she does with the ball as well because I think she has a mm-hmm. good good understanding with Ingle as well in terms of releasing her and moving the ball quickly to our, to, to our best passes of the ball, uh, which Ingle is obviously one of. So I do think that's really important as well and that ball-playing ability that she has is vital. But I think I just love how much she loves it. Like, Uh, (laughs) that that goal when we beat I think it was Estonia 5-0 I want to say in the last campaign Um, like a great headed goal kind of late in the game. And she went absolutely berserk, mm-hmm. kind of big knee slide over in front of the fans. And, and I love that. And I love her passion and, and, and excitement about yeah. playing for Wales. So yeah, congratulations uh, to her, a fantastic achievement. And hopefully um, the uh, the girls will get a good result against Scotland to finish the group on a high. Um, speaking of congratulations. <laughs> oh, look at that. Um, I am um, <laughs> just a moment of self-congratulation, self-congratulation there. Um, I just wanted to say congratulations to Laura McAllister. Um, She will run unopposed uh, in her role on the UEFA Executive Committee. Uh, This is going to be confirmed in Lisbon on the 5th of April. She will be the first Welsh person to have a role on a UEFA committee, which is absolutely fantastic. So huge congratulations to Laura. Um, Again, we will eulogise about her a little bit in a moment. But yeah, Ruth, I just wanted to pass over to you as well. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, it's not just UEFA. It's the first UEFA or FIFA board uh, board role for um, for any Welsh, Welsh official. I think you know that's a that's a momentous step for us. Obviously, Laura's had roles on sort of subcommittees and things, and has uh, you know made it made a a sort of case for for stepping up the ranks, as it were, with her involvement in in the other committees that she's she is uh, currently sitting on. Um, I, I just think she's she is such a talent and such a source and such a sort of fountain of knowledge that um it's good to see it's good to see that she's able to sort of continue to de- to develop that on the on the international st- stage and can contribute to um a UEFA. for you know 20 apparently there's 20 odd roles in this this board uh, the, the one that laura will having will be having is the one that is set aside for a woman so i uh, on the basis that she may be the only woman on that on that panel on that committee, it's obviously a really really important role and a, a very central role in terms of the ongoing development of women's football. Um, I do think it's interesting that um, Lisa uh, Clavenas, who is the Norwegian um, head of their FA, is standing for a position on that board as well, and she she is going she's going for like a standardly elected. Uh, position and and hence is going up against um, I think as 10 men and her and so if she were elected to that role it would be the first time that a woman has sort of been elected for like a mixed role as it were Um, and I think that would be a a really important statement as well so I just sort of wanted to wish her luck there's seven seats available and there's 11 of the uh, 11 people standing I mean she was quite outspoken at the World Cup and I think that may have gained her support in some quarters and cost her support in other quarters um so i'm i'm interested to see how that how that develops but i think the fact that you've got women of of their quality standing to try and shake up some of these you know old boy networks is just is just really positive
0: no, I totally agree, and uh, I, I've i got a huge amount of, uh, of respect for Laura. She's, um, I've been fortunate enough to meet her a couple of times and have a few beers with her at Wales Away Games. She's a fantastic uh, person to be around and, and have a laugh about. She's very knowledgeable and... Um, She'll talk about football in uh, in terms that uh, people like I can understand, and I'm sure that people uh, in UEFA can understand as well. I think I have we have a a, a joke about someone in work um, about the fact that they must never sleep because every time there's a new role that comes up in school, there's always they always seem to be the person who's involved in it. They're also a parent as well, and I and I do think similar to Laura to some extent. You know, she's championed women's football in Wales she's got the the women's football team off the ground to all intents and purposes in terms of it being recognized by the FAW um she's a professor she works in Welsh government she works for the you know she works a key role for UEFA for the FAW she's now doing a a similar similarly important role in UEFA she travels around watching you know Wales away games She still plays football uh, in in a vets league she's she's got kids as well like Laura when do you sleep um, but, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted after doing this podcast, uh, never mind anything else. All I've got to do is go down and watch the telly. So uh, absolutely fantastic. And I just I just can't speak Laura highly enough of, of Laura on a serious note. Um, she's a great person to be around. She's, um, as I say, very knowledgeable and speaks so well about football. Um, uh, you know, to, like I say, to people of all levels uh, me being the novice that I am and, and I and I think she's uh, she's a, a genuine inspiration for Wales and, and Welsh people and Wel- Welsh women and Welsh football um, and I think uh, it's fantastic that she's got this opportunity, one she very much deserves. I think she said she learnt a lot about the previous campaign which obviously wasn't successful um, and I think a lot of lessons have been learnt in terms of how this has been handled and managed and, and obviously she's got the rewards that she deserves for that. So congratulations to Laura, uh, an absolutely fantastic achievement for her and also an important day for Welsh football in general I would say Um, before I move on Ruth to the to the bigger question the bigger talking point tonight have you uh, have you got anything else to to add about Laura there
1: no no I think we've I think we've covered that just congratulations
0: Absolutely. Congratulations indeed. Um, now, before I start, um just wanted to remind everyone that you can support Coleman Had a Dream by going to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Coleman's Dream. You can make a small donation, which will help keep this podcast free for everyone else. Uh, we'd be very grateful for that as we try and uh, cover our costs, um, which is all that, all your donations to support will we going towards. You can also go to bagsybags.com. And you can use the code CHAD10 for 10% off uh, anything in the Bagsy Bags store. So please go and support us. If you do buy something using that code, we get a little bit of a cut of that as well, which helps, again, keep things free. So thank you very much for everyone who supported us so far. We are very, very grateful. Um, let's talk about the Euros campaign. I think we're about a month away from the squad being uh, announced for the campaign. Um, I think the first thing to mention is that there is still no number two Pointed, or certainly not that we've been made aware of. Given we are a month away from the squad being announced, and you know the games commencing, how concerned are you by that?
1: Um. Well, I wonder whether Alan Neil's role is just going to kind of be what it is. Whether they're going to go just with a duo rather than a kind of trio as as was happening in the in the World Cup. I'm. I mean, I would rather we don't take someone who um it's got to be someone that page wants to work with so i don't want us to jump at someone um uh, just cuz we feel there's in there's a gap in the coaching staff but also i think it's a concern that you know it's th- there's the question about whether page is finding people that are interested and is finding people he can work with and finding people that Want to get involved in this way, and I, I think that's a concern. I would be, I, I would be surprised if there aren't people interested in this as a, as a. I mean, you you don't want to take it on as a full time job, obviously. It's going to, to be as you know, as an aside. uh So I, I think, I, yes, I think the timeline is growing concerning because you feel like this would be an interesting role for a young coach.
0: Yeah, I agree. I I also slightly disagree in the sense, however, that we don't need to just appoint someone. I think the whole point of getting rid of Simon's was so that we, you know, his words were shake things up or have a shake up, I think, were were his words. So... That does concern me because the implication of saying something like that means that you are looking to get someone else in to replace the person you've you've left off. So, you know, by, by just the way that that was presented, I guess, implies that there was something or should have been something in the pipeline, even if there hasn't been. Whether that's fallen through or not, I'm not sure. But I, I do think it's a bit of a concern also because we're looking at, you know, a, a potential for a change of play. A change of style, a change of pattern. We, you know, we're we're in a transitionary period. Considering we've we've lost Bale and now Alan. You know, I, I think th- there's there's definitely an, there's definitely a needed role for someone else there. And I think it's a slight concern to me. Well, a, a large concern to me actually that we haven't. I, the other thing that I think is is coming across from kind of reading about, around this is there's in certain quarters, and and I would like to be clear in saying, not from me seems to be a, some kind of disquiet with 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 an approach to page in terms of whether he's even still the right person for the job and, and as i say i'm i'm not in that camp um and i and i and i wonder if perhaps he needs this extra person to come in and almost prop him up to some extent with with regards to some of the fans and and their opinions on how we play football and how the world cup went um i think that might be just as important to him as actually getting another person in who can support him in doing the role
1: i understand what you're saying in terms of the, it was there was a sort of intimation that uh things were going to be shaken up um with the with the departures and it's like we've kind of half shaken the cocktail and not finished it off <laughs> um so the <laughs> um the but equally i don't want page jumping at someone just for the sake of having a, a warm body there i, I don't think that helps I think you've got to have people that you're confident in and comfortable with and you know you feel will add to the team in a positive way and will as you say will be supportive of Paige um his relationship with Alan Neal I think is very uh, is very positive and I think that in in the very short term it doesn't concern me because he has got someone to bounce his ideas off and there is the wider coaching group there as well um I I, th- I, th- I, can see what you're saying. I think there's more of a concern that were we looking to make changes and now we've kind of hit a brick wall and we're not quite sure what what we're trying to initiate and what we're trying to achieve and where we're trying to go. And I think, I think my concern might be those sort of wider pictures, uh, wider issues and that bigger picture stuff rather than necessarily whether there's another coach in the team.
0: Yeah, no, that's true. I, I don't know. It's so hard. I, I it's guess a sort of
1: manifest. It's a sort of manifestation of the this sort of background, what feels like a slightly messy sort of background to things, isn't it? And I think this is a, this is a very obvious manifestation of it.
0: I think that's a perfect way to describe it. Is messy, um, and I think, <laughs> you know, I would imagine that as soon as the World Cup finished there would have been a decision made at some level that Paige didn't want to hang on to to, to, to Kit Simons anymore, you know, yeah. one way or the other. I mean, let's be yeah. generous and call that mid-December. We're now two months on from that, um, and in another month this campaign gets underway. I would have thought that to some extent in the two months there would have been something in regards to decision made and... Like you say, I, I think this looks like a good opportunity for a young coach. Um, and and I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that, you know, maybe not people aren't jumping at it, but, you know, we're not being a bit more proactive. And maybe we are. I guess we're just on the outside of it. But, you know, it's mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, it just... I wonder, how am I going to say this in a logical way? I, I suppose I'm trying to say that I feel like the whole the way things worked at the World Cup and then decision-making afterwards, as you say, seems a bit jumbled. And now we've got to this yeah. point where we need a decision made. And I do think we need a decision made. I do think we need a body in there. And be it publicly or not, there's, there's not much progress being made, or so it seems. And I think that, just in and of itself, as you say, is a good summary of the slight... I don't know concern i'd say i have around things at the minute mm-hmm. i don't, I don't want to be too negative because i you know i i don't think th- that these two retiring is the is the be all and end all but i i do think it leaves a big hole and i think that that needs to be filled and i think you know it needs a a good amount of organization and conversation and common sense to make sure that, that hole is filled in a in an adequate and uh and helpful and, and progressive way moving forward um so yeah i would i would hope that a decision will be made soon but um Who knows? Um, Have you got anything else you want to add there? Because I do have a listener question for you as well, Ruth.
1: No, no. Let's move on to their questions.
0: Um, We've had a question in from Nick Latham, who says, assuming it's the start of the new era, now that Bale and Alan have retired, who do we think could miss out on the next squad in favour of potential younger talent? Um, It's an interesting question, that, and I think that there's a lot of ifs and buts around what happens next at the moment. Is there is there anyone do you think that's on the on the danger zone, if you like?
1: Well, if you'd have asked me this as we left the World Cup, I I would have said that I, I didn't imagine seeing Chris Gunter in another in another squad. Yeah. Sadly. Um. However, if you take out Bale and and Allen, we've we've got very few players over thirty at that point. You've got. The three goalies, assuming we're talking about Hennessy Ward and Davies, are Hennessy's 36 and the, the other two are 29 and 30s. And that's that little trio is kind of what it is. I don't think age is particularly, you know, relevant to those as a trio. But after that, the only play the only outfield players that you would that were in that squad at uh, uh, in Qatar that are over 30 are Kiefer Moore, who's 30. Ramsey, who's 32, and Gunz, who's 33. There's no, there's no one else over 30 in the outfield players. And so I, my gut reaction is even if we keep those three, and, you, you know, Ramsey and Moore in, obviously, but the, even if you keep Gunz in there, it's not like we're not going to have a very young squad. Um, so... I think my thinking may have switched actually with the retirement of Bale and Alan, but I think it might be more likely that Guntz is still involved in the squad, particularly for the remainder of this season. It might be a reboot perhaps come by the time we get to the autumn. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if he's there just to give a little bit of um, continuity and to take some pressure off Aaron as well. I think if Aaron was along with Hennessy, was potentially the only sort of what we might think of as the really long-term players coming back to this camp. I think that might put an onus on him in terms of being the sort of like father figure, as it were, on the group that probably isn't helpful. So I think Gunts might be in just to alleviate that role, if, if nothing else.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's so hard. Part of me thinks that it's at a point someone else needs to be that experienced head in in the camp, and
1: yeah, I think con I think Connor Roberts is is developing that as the kind of um, cheerleader role, as it were. That he comes across as having that that yeah. role. Um, I I just think it might be useful to have gone. I mean, I'm not saying I'd have him in the 23 on a game day. I think I'd just have him in the squad, just to be like an extra pair of hands in that kind of senior role.
0: It's so hard.
1: Like I said, Dave, if you'd have asked me in December, I would have said no. I would have said, I think we've closed the book on this. I just wonder whether the the dynamics at the minute just make it a little bit more likely for the next couple of squads that he'll still be around.
0: I just wonder it. I, I think you're probably right in terms of this squad now and through, mm-hmm. through to the end of this season, because he is still playing, and he may not be playing every yeah. single week, but he's playing most weeks. He's he's played in 25 of of, uh, of AFC Wimbledon's games this year. I I just think, I wonder, is there not someone else we can be having a look at here? And, and if he's not going to be in the 23, then I just don't see the point at all. And I know he's got the experience, and, and I just wonder if it might be a chance for Rob Page to say, right, we're, you know, Thank you to everyone who's done what you've done for Wales. Sort of like gigs with Ashley Williams, for example, and say, right, we're going in a slightly direction, different direction here. You're all going to have to be on board with me. And um, Davis will be there. Rambo will still be there. Moore will still be there. There'll still be enough other people around, like as you say, Connor Roberts is still an experienced uh, guy. Wayne Hennessy will still be around. Even, you know, Danny Warders have been been around the squad for a long time, even even still as well. So there's enough other experience there. For me, I think, and I didn't, I didn't think I'd be the person to say this, but I, I think now is the time. Gunter's thirty three. He's not, he's not going to play. He's possibly not even going to make the twenty three. I just don't, I just don't see the sake of having him around as, as as a cheerleader in the short term. I would even start to question, and I think the the retirement of Bale might be the only thing that keeps him in and around it for now, at least. Is is Johnny Williams, and I again mm-hmm. feel a bit sick saying it. But he's, you know, he's playing. He's playing for Swindon. He's playing reasonably well. I think he's got eight goals this year. But what, you know, I just don't know what else he's he's bringing. That you know, because we've got to be brutal at this point, right? I know everyone loves him, but we we have also mm-hmm. we, we also need good footballers, and he's not a bad footballer. But I think if we're going to tr- if we realistically trying to qualify for this campaign, he's probably at, what sixth, fifth, or sixth choice attacking player, uh, like attacking non-striker player, if that makes sense mm-hmm. so I just don't know, attacking non-striker player, Christ alive why do, <laughs> why do people listen um,
1: the thing is, we know what you mean <laughs> Yeah, that's
0: true, I think that's a sad indictment on everyone else as much as it is me
1: um,
0: anyway um, no, yeah.
1: I, I, I actually agree with you about Johnny not that I don't think he can't add things but I think that, I think as you say he's sort of low enough down on that list, that that might be an opportunity to look at other people um so i although he's like you say he's having a reasonably good season for swindon i think it might that role might be something that you, you start to kind of experiment with um at the sort of like b team level attacking midfielder who's who's there and who can we give some experience to so if someone else is injured we know we've got someone that's already ha- got eight or nine caps and we're not bringing in a complete newbie you know we've got to we've got to start looking at um coverage as it were we we're we're not we're not going to argue much about who the starting 11 is we're probably going to be taking a from 13. We might it might be we might argue a bit about formation, but I think we we know who are probably our starting at, let's say 13 are. It's the next 10 or so, isn't it, that make up the 23 squad. And I think we've got to start giving some people some experience and some opportunities. And you can you can see it in Levitt, for example, how I don't think he's there yet but but he he is developing and you can see how he's growing as a player and and the, I don't know how many caps he's got at the minute but it must be into double figures. Um and so he's got something to build on if we need to rely on him more and we've just got we've just got to start doing that a little bit more and obviously the 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 opportunities without Bale and Allen do they fit they free up squad spaces we can't you know that's about the only positive you can see in you know? it um and so i think it's important that we take some opportunities to have some of the the wider the wider sort of fringe of the squad players start embedding them into the squad a bit more so that they're they're not you know you're not putting them in a position where they're they're having to come on with 30 minutes to go in an important game and it's only their third cap you know
0: yeah i <laughs> It's so tough. And I think, again, the flip side is, you know, with Johnny Williams as well, there's, there's probably other people on the uh, on the fringes of all of it, which you'd probably make the argument aren't really in a position to to do much. You know, Rabbi Matondo's not really been involved uh, for Rangers. I, 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 I would maybe mm-hmm. give Ben Ben Woodburn a whirl just to see, get him back in the fold because I think he's someone who we should probably be looking to get back in the fold at some point. Um, obviously, you've mm-hmm. got the young boy at, uh, at Fulham, uh, Luke Harris. Di Brooks is... is Looking close to return uh, from his injury mm-hmm. after after his cancer treatment, so there's someone else. It is just very difficult. I I think the thing that I come back to with Johnny, and just I, I suppose other people like that Gunter too, is when this whole whole cycle started with Toshak and whatever, those players didn't have any kind of experience, and they gained it on the job, if you like, in and around <laughs> these these difficult players and difficult teams. And in a team that was losing, I think at the minute we're at a team which is capable of winning, is capable of qualifying for a tournament. These players aren't going to be relied on as much, but they need to get that experience mm-hmm. of being in and around it. And I think if they don't, Jordan James, yeah. the boy at um, at uh, Birmingham, is another good example. We need, to, we need these players involved now because it, is, it needs to be a balancing act of them being young enough and good enough. But also they need to have that experience because at 22... Let's say that's when Jordan James, for example, starts hitting his hitting his straps at 22 mm-hmm. and he's only played once for Wales. And then we're like, oh, God, all of a sudden this lad, we're back to zero experience again. You know, it doesn't work yeah. like that. I think, I think we've hit a point now where these lads need that game time and experience and they need an element of being thrown at the, at, at the deep end. And I think it's important that those people are giving it. And as a consequence, Gunter and, and, and Johnny, I think. Unfortunately, it's uh, it's the end for them, which is a big, big shame. But I think it's time also for Paige to kind of start a, to start a new page, um, and um, <laughs> and uh, and go from there. Um, another person I wanted to ask about Ruth is well, there's two actually, but we'll we'll go with the obvious one first. Is Paul Mullin? Um, I don't know if you watch mm-hmm. the Wrexham games, but I, I'd just like to know your your thoughts on him and and whether you'd give him a world in the squad
1: it's a, it's a difficult one isn't it because it's 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 difficult not to look past the 30 goals for the season and and see that that's very positive um I like his play um but I'm not sure well one i think his age is against him if we're making the based on the arguments we've just been having because I think he's 28 isn't he and um we this season, it's really come together, I think, well for Wrexham because they're they playing that kind of one one two at the front, and I can't see us playing like that. I, I, at most, we're going to have Kiefer Moore as a like striker, um, and so I wonder whether he, would Mullins be a band aid for a problem that we're not sure we have. I would rather see us developing a young, a younger striker, and a a, a sort of, um, you know, a even a Nathan Broadhead, you know, someone who's got some longevity there to their potential window with Wales and. I can see the argument for Mullins. I think it's a good story, but I I think I think it's the story that is tempting as not the reality.
0: I don't know. I, I, I'm going to disagree with two things you said there. One is the story rather than the situation. And I think there's an element of truth in it. I think it would be a great story. And I, I don't buy the argument that he's a non-league player. He is very clearly... No, he's a not. Player. He's not. He's not. And we yeah. saw it against Sheffield United, and we saw against Coventry that he is far from a non-league player. He's a Championship player, mm-hmm. in my opinion, at least in form terms, playing at, at that level. And I think if you went mm-hmm. to the Championship, you won't obviously get as many goals as he's getting now, but he would get goals, his movement and anything else. And and, and sometimes, Ruth, I do think, like you, you said you've got the I, I forget the exact words used there, but like a a, a band aid over a bullet wound type thing. And mm-hmm. and I and I. Uh, I don't think it is that because, you know, we're not falling over ourselves uh, for, for centre-forward scoring goals, are we? Even further down the divisions, we're not. And if he's someone who can be there, just because we give him a go now, it doesn't mean we have to pick him every game. It doesn't mean he has to start. But if you're, you know, 1-0 down, 10 minutes to go against Croatia, Kiefer Moore hasn't scored, you want someone to go up front with him? As a realist, as a genuine question. Who who else goes up front with him? I, I broad broadhead's not ready. I don't, I don't, ready.
1: Disagree. I don't do disagree with that as a as a premise of the play, but there's no evidence that that's what we do, is there? There's no evidence that that's how we approach it. We haven't had a backup striker. We haven't had a backup to Kiefer Moore for three years that he's been involved with the team it's not how we've played now if if we're going to emphasize that more and that's going to be part of this slight change of style of play that we can envisage there may be but if the involvement would only ever be very much as a member of the squad then my my vote would go for one of the younger f- the younger lads, to get them the experience. If we're changing our style of play and we're going to be playing more ostensibly with a striker, then, yeah, you're looking at who's in form now. You're not looking at what you're going to be developing. But I can't see us doing that. I, I would just counter that, though,
0: by saying that the reason mm-hmm. we've not had another striker for more is really because we've kind of rotated between who's been fit and who's not been suspended mm-hmm. between bail <laughs> James Wilson, Brooks Moore, Ram, Rams even to try and fill mm-hmm. that centre forward gap, that vacancy almost. And I think the reason we do that musical chairs is because of a lack of an alternative. And and I just wonder now if, let's say, you know, Moore gets injured on the weekend or is suspended or something, who's the next person mm-hmm. that comes in? Well, Bale's not there anymore, so now we're now we're now we're on to someone else. And then you're asking the question, you know. You're, I guess you're right. Maybe Broadhead, you know, a huge ask for someone like that to come in. Maybe Tyler Roberts, who I really don't rate, as we've discussed before. I don't. I, 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 for me, I suppose the point is, is he, I don't see him as being any worse than any of the players we've got now. And I think he's 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 a bit more mature. We we're talking about bringing some experience into the squad mm-hmm. that could do that. I think the other thing that I have a slight issue with about the younger lads, and I think Ollie Cooper was the one uh, that has been mentioned. Um, uh, Broadhead was the other one.
1: I, Liam I, Cullen, I think, would Cullen's, be a consideration yes, there
0: um, potentially I, I, as well. I, I, from what I've seen, I just don't think they're good enough yet, and and mm-hmm. I and I do think in the absolute short term. Mullin is and I think if we were to change the whole way we played football to suit Paul Mullin then I agree then it's a band-aid over Mm -hmm. a bullet wound but I actually think that as in terms of being able to have someone as a good plan b to come off the bench make a bit of a difference be a bit of a nuisance if nothing else and the person I was Mm -hmm. I was going to compare him to and and I and I mean this nuisance value in the in the in in that exact way is Hal Robson Carnu um and I think Danny Gabs mm-hmm. uh, made this point on the edge foff, which I was quite annoyed about because I wanted to do it. But um <laughs> uh, the, the 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 point is the same, is that Hal Robson Carnu was never the answer to any of our problems in an attacking sense, but he did the thing that we needed to do when we needed him to do it. He was a nuisance, he was mm-hmm. hard work. Yeah, he scored some unbelievably important goals and, and you know, probably the best goal in Welsh or most important goal in Welsh football history, but he was never prolific. You know, I mean, we went to the Euros in 2016, he didn't have a club. So I, I also think that mm-hmm. it's not necessarily where they're playing at the minute or what they're doing at the minute, but more what can they do for us. And I do think that Mullin could do something for us. And do you know what? We could give him a go in this campaign, he could not score, it could not work out, and then we say, okay, we give, we give that a go, thanks, but no thanks. And I think I'd almost rather that than put in someone like Broadhead, who for me is not good enough, right now at least that and, and and give someone like that a go because at that point when you put broadhead in if it goes wrong you've ruined the boy's confidence and you know it's difficult to get that boy back up to that level and um, I, I would i would use rabbi matondo possibly as an example of that and to some extent ben woodburn it's not his fault it's just you know it's just not worked out for him and he's not managed to get going again and i do think partly putting these lads in when they're not good enough and they can't deal with it is is detrimental so I think Mullen would would be able to make a difference for us, and that's why I'd be more inclined to go with him over, let's say, you know, Cooper and uh, Neighbour. But the arguments
1: that. you've made for Mullen, and I'm not I'm not against it. If we are changing our style of play, I don't see a point if we are ostensibly substituting Brennan Johnson in for Bale in the way that we've been playing recently. I'm I'm trying to understand what the purpose of it is. But if you make the your argument that we're we want to, we want you know, a, a terrier that we can throw on with fifteen minutes to go, who's scoring goals and has the has can have some impact on a game. Well, would we not be making a case for Tom Bradshaw at that point?
0: Well, he is he is next on my list as it goes right. Um, so yes I, I would also be making that argument as well I think he's in good form at the minute he's got a hat trick on the weekend I, my only concern about Bradshaw I, I, I'd say I have two is his pace I'm not sure I, I don't think he's mm-hmm. particularly quick and I, and I think he's a little bit streaky and at the minute, he's in the middle of a of a reasonable streak, and I'll give you some stats in a second. I accidentally just closed my internet browser with that one on it, but <laughs> um, he is in a bit of a streak at the moment, and I think that that is important for him. And I think, as again, as we approach these games, I think it's vital that he is in one of those streaks as he randomly bluffs to get through. So there you go. One, so in his last um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, in his last ten games, he's had. He's scored six goals, which is not bad. He's also mm-hmm. had eight goal involvement, so two assists in that 10-game run. He's playing 90 minutes most weeks with the odd, exception. he played for 75 minutes in a defeat against Coventry. But he's obviously fit, and he's up to it. He's in one of, one of his positive streaks, if you like. For me, I think he would be. He would at least get the call up as well. Um, I would also give <laughs> it to Mullin to have a look at him. But I think you're right. I think the, 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 there's also a similar level of argument to what you would say about Tom Bradshaw, though, in regards to Mullin, uh, and that's also his age. Like, he's 30. Mm-hmm. So yeah. is, is yeah. Has, has that ship sailed for him now?
1: Yeah, I mean, my inclination is yes, because I can't see us utilising these style of players. I think it would become a... I, I think I would become, like I said, in favour of this if we're if we're rejigging how we're playing at the front. But I can't see that happening. Um, the, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think I think Bradshaw is probably not on the agenda as much because of his age as anything. Um, and yeah, he's streaky, and I, th- I think there's a, a sort of inconsistency to his, to his play that that might might be detrimental. I also think we. We potentially assuming that we've got Brooks back as well. We were suddenly a very we could we could be a very fast team <clears throat> between James and Brooks and and uh, Brenna Johnson and and you know does this does this style of play suit and would a more sort of lump, slightly lumbering striker be relevant and then, and even Kiefer Moore starts to be a question at at that point. Um, so that I. I I think we might see both of them, both Merlins and Bradshaw, in this squad, as you were saying, just to see where we're at with them. I'm just not sure what that says about what, what we want to do in terms of addressing bringing younger players into the team. Yeah,
0: I think that's a very fair point. Um, I think ultimately looking at the squad and what we want, I think we've got to be realistic here. We need to build around certain players, don't we? I think we yeah. need to build yeah. around Brennan Johnson Decide where we want Ethan Ampadu to play. Which the Joe Allen thing <laughs> makes me think probably midfield, at least in the short term. I think we need yep. to be looking. And I
1: think I think Meps, I think the fact that Mepham is playing slightly more consistently better at the back as well makes that a slightly easier um, decision than it might have been twelve months ago.
0: True. Although I, I noticed that Roden uh, didn't play at all. He was on the bench for Wren on the weekend. So there is always a downside. Um, I, <laughs> I I think the other thing is as well we've got attacking players in you know in terms of nico williams he's a he's a flyer he can do some damage um we we've still got ramsey as i mentioned earlier we've still got die brooks to come back you know I, I think there's enough quality there i think what's going to be difficult is making sure and this is what chris coleman did so well is making sure that we get the best out of our best players we get everyone else on the pitch to mm-hmm. to ultimately be the supporting cast to our best players and I think that that is where the argument for Mullin or Bradshaw changes, is because, in the first instance at least, Kiefer Moore is the is that is probably the the most helpful person. Um, mm-hmm. Forrest, for example, are doing better with a hold up man up front and having people like Brennan Johnson, uh, Brennan Johnson yeah. run off him. Um, so I think we will, you know, if that's how we want to get the best out of Johnson, then we probably have to replicate that somewhere else as well. So I think then that does change the argument um, for Mullen and, uh, and Bradshaw to an extent because they can't do that role that Kiefer Moore does. But as we've often said, you need a plan B as well. If, if, Mo- if Moore is injured or suspended and he has got that. In him to be suspe- to get suspended, then then what is the plan B? <laughs> what comes next? And I think that is there when you look at Mullin and Bradshaw, as I say, less t- Bradshaw to a lesser extent because of his age, but that's where I'd be looking at them. Uh, certainly not to be starting, but just come on and, and and maybe make a difference and be a nuisance and be be part of the supporting cast like Hal robson Carnu did so well for for Wales over the years with Gareth Bale. So that would be my kind of angle. But I, I appreciate it. it's not a perfect science, and I do think that. We've got to be careful when the next squad comes out that we're not like, oh, bloody hell, why is he there? Like, why is that there? Like, there's so many Mm -hmm. variables at the minute now that Bale and Allen have have retired that I think they're going to be, there is going to be a lot of stuff that's kind of up in the air. And I think we have to be kind of very patient and understanding in the next, in the next you know, six, nine, twelve months—even that. You know, we, there, there are going to be iffy results. There are going to be players who don't play well for us. You are going to see names on the team sheet that you probably don't want to see. You are going to see names in the squad that you, pay, you or me or whoever else, may think that shouldn't be there. And you know, we've got to be patient <laughs> with that because this is not an easy process. I think the the, the best example of this, if if you ask anyone. who's who's interested in Welsh football, what do you think about this? They'll give a different answer to the person who stood next to them and a different answer to them (laughs) and a different answer to them. And that is the reality, is that we're all saying, oh, bloody hell, we've got to do this, he shouldn't be. No one has actually got the answer. Everyone is disagreeing with each other. And I think that just goes to show how how difficult the scale of the whole job is at the moment for our page. Yeah, that's
1: something I wanted to mention, actually. I'm starting to think that this idea of a kind of, I know I've been talking about this not being an entire sort of reboot, it's just been more of an upgrade that we need to move into. I think the more I think about it and the deeper I get into this, the more it feels like a quagmire and the more of a mess it feels. And, the, you know, you look at our form last, uh, last year during 2022. I mean, we were, we were pretty dire when you add it all up. Weren't you? We, we won the two important games and really we didn't do much else. So I think there may be... I think we might be in for a rockier road than perhaps the uh, just the sort of position we're in, as in, you know, being in three tournaments of the last four and all that sort of thing. I think we might be in for a rockier road than that might suggest.
0: Well, on that happy note, thank you for listening to the con. Oh no. Um, um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but our form you know say our form last right. year was awful. Yeah, I think you're right. We I'm just not- pulled it, you know, Gareth Bale pulled us through yeah. the two games we needed to be pulled through, you know? And we there's 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 a lot of questions that last year threw up, really, when you start thinking about it.
0: Yeah and I, and I you know I think we we talked about it on the pod before the World Cup talking about yeah. you know especially our form beforehand like we were t- you know we did say it was you know the concern would be that we'll go there and we'll not get a goal and you know we weren't a million miles yeah. off unfortunately but <laughs> um you know so you know it, it it is difficult and I think I said when we discussed this last time for me it is more the end of year it's more of a, a revolution than evolution if that's the right way of saying it but I I I, I do think that this happens to everyone, you know, like Messi's gonna leave Argentina soon and all of a sudden, yes, they've got a load of good players and a World Cup on the on the on the mantelpiece, but all of a sudden things are different for them. And, you know, <laughs> Bale is that person to us. He's that that leading light to us. So I, I think it's 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 difficult to know what the next step is and, and everything else. And I think you're right. I think we're in for a rocky road and I don't wanna I don't wanna push the panic button too soon, but I, I feel like we may struggle to get to the Euros. I think there's gonna be some difficult mm-hmm. games ahead and Croatia are a tough team and Turkey are the fourth ranked team in the group but are actually better than that and you know we're mm-hmm. on you know we're sliding down those rankings ever so slowly and there's you know, as I say, there's a lot of ifs and buts and questions and, and at the moment not not many people like I said can give too many answers. So I am concerned but I think the whole point of all of this that I've learned over the last, you know, six, six, seven years, especially is you've got to kind of have a bit of faith at some point along the line, because Mm -hmm. otherwise this is all futile. You've got to be positive and you've got to have something to look (laughs) forward to and, and, and think, you know, we've got a good chance of doing this. And this campaign's the one, and you know, this is going to be the one where Brennan Johnson kicks on and and, and so on and so forth. So Mm -hmm. I think we've, we've got to hold that, that faith and we've got to hold that belief. So, I do still think, you know, we're in it and we've got a good chance. I'm, I'm concerned and I think I think we'd be daft if we weren't concerned but I do <laughs> still think we've got to be positive. There was an, There's certainly enough good stuff around us, I think, to make sure that we have at least going to be in the conversation. I, I think we're going to struggle in the end but I think we're, we're going to be in the conversation. And that's all we've said we've ever wanted, right? We want to be there. We don't want to be playing mm. dead rubbers the last yeah. four games to be meaningless. We want to be in in and around it all the time and, and I do think we will be in and around it in this instance as well. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add or any other names you wanted to add to the list?
1: No, no. I think we've kicked out a few names. Not that I I, I think it, it's I think there's an, an interesting debate around the formation and, and where Paige imagines going with that because ultimately that's that's probably gonna be a driver for the for the, like I said, the ten players between sort of thirteen and twenty three in your in your day squad, that's it's going to be driven by people that can take on roles, isn't it? And at the minute, I'm not sure I know and we're clear on what those roles are. You know, you'll yeah. you'll you you might put player A on the list if we're playing with a you know an out an out striker at the front, and blah, blah, blah. You, you know you need a reserve for that. But if we're not, that player might fall off your list so I think I think the debate really is as much around where are we heading with our desired formation and desired um playing format and playing plan and I think that will drive ultimately who are these sort of fringe squad players
0: well there you are that's a a brilliantly unmistakable Coleman had a dream conclusion uh to this podcast <laughs> we uh, we haven't got a bloody clue um so uh, <laughs> there you go this is this is it wasn't
1: being it was in my mind it wasn't quite that black of white. it was more like you know page, page is threatening to change the system and without knowing what system he's looking at well in some respects the discussions around the squad is a bit mute isn't it no
0: i think i think i think it's a good point i i, I think he's got to make that decision i think we won't know that Mm. you know we won't know what we're in for in that sense until that Croatia Mm. game and I do hope there's something new and some changes because I think we need that I just don't know what that is well I've got some suggestions but we will save that for another podcast that's another pod rather than start rambling on again anyway um (laughs) I have nothing else to add Ruth um if you are done I think we'll call it quits for today
1: Yep, that must be about
0: an hour. It is, yep, fifty-four minutes just coming up. So we're pretty happy with that. Mm, um, okay. Well, there you go, ladies yep, that's and gentlemen. Exactly, good waffling. Um, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for listening. Congratulations to Laura McAllister again. Good luck to, to the women against Scotland. Uh, and we will be back in two weeks or so with more um, uneducated nonsense. Um, in the meantime, <laughs> thank you very much for listening. Um, final bit of admin. Um, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram and twitter you can find us uh, coleman had a dream or coleman's dream depending on the format and um, you can also support us please every little thing helps us go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash coleman's dream that keeps us free for everyone and go to bagsybags.com uh, use the code chad 10 where you can get 10 percent off and that a little slice of that goes again to help support us and keep us going and keep our costs free. Well, not free, actually, far from it. But anyway, that's by the by. Um, Thank you very much for listening, ladies and gents. Thank you for your time, Ruth.
1: All right, you take care.
0: You too, and I'll speak to you all soon. We will speak to you all soon. Thank you very much, and goodbye.
1: Bye-bye.